Namo Shakyamuni Buddha, respected Thai, respected brother and sister, we are so happy to see you tonight at that appointment with Thai for five days, almost six days together. It's so wonderful to see you again. A lot of you have been here for several times but a number of new friends, and we are very happy to welcome you. And I would like to offer to you a number of basic practice for this week of practice together. And I know that you come from various traditions, and be reassured that you will not be converted into Buddhism. Uh, we try to learn the way that the young man, Siddhartha, have discovered the ultimate dimension of himself, and he tried to offer to us. And even five or six days, I'm sure that you are a very sincere practitioner, and you will put into practice, and you continue that practice, and one day you will discover your ultimate dimension in the very here and now. And that practice is very simple. When the young Siddhartha break, broke through all the confusion of his life, he uttered a surprise. He said that, how come that everybody, everyone, the rich, the poor, the intellectual, the humble people, and all of us can touch that deep dimension of ourselves. That deep understanding, it can help us to understand and can help us to love those who are very difficult to love. And that great light in us People call in Buddhism the Buddha in ourselves. But maybe if you belong to other tradition, you are touching that great dimension, that ultimate dimension of ourselves. You can call God or Allah. We are not bothered by the wood, but we touch that ultimate dimension of ourselves. And the practice is the Buddha discovered that if we cannot touch that deep dimension of ourselves, because our body is here, but our mind think of yesterday, last month, last year, or one, one hour earlier, what I doing, I, I was doing, and now, and your mind are wondering, wondering, and even you live, in the present moment, but your mind is not in the present moment. And that is the reason you do not see deep the ultimate dimension of yourself and of reality around you. And the training, he discovered that is your breathing, which is the key point, who can bring your mind back to your body and Center yourself, and you can see deeply 
the ultimate dimension of yourself. And that breathing is that link. And during this week, we try to train ourselves to go back to our breathing. And if you have asthma, you cannot breathe easily when you remember of your breathing. Sometimes you feel a little bit suffocated. So the training is to go back to the present moment and be aware of your in-breath and out-breath shortly. And, and that practice, please uh, promise me that please, every time you are carried away by strong emotion, by irritation, by your stress, by even even uh, your your very strong emotion of love is also it can carry you far away. So you must be very peaceful, very calm, but be aware of your emotion. And the breathing is the most important point. So when you are angry, when you are stirred by strong emotion. Try not to speak, not to act, and only go back to your in-breath and out-breath and try not to think yet for a while until the emotion is calmer. And then you, you will look deeper again. And that is the Buddha call. Try to pull yourself into the present moment. Touch your peace touch your calm, stop to be carried away by the past, stop to be carried away by the future, go back to the present moment and reach the first part of Buddhist practice is samatha. Samatha is stopping to be carried away in ten, ten directions and go back to the present moment. And then when you go back to your present moment, your calm, your peace, and then you can see things clearer deeper. And that looking deeply in Buddhism we call vipassana. It means looking deeply. And sometimes you don't need to look deeply if you touch your peace, your calm, and then you see deeply by yourself. And during that, this week, if you are in Plum Village, it's easier. There is a big bell and we invite the bell. And when you hear the bell, you go back to the present moment and then if your mind are thinking of the past or what happened uh, one hour ago, you go back to the present moment, you breathe in and out and look to the present moment with the new eyes, with the deeper eyes. The present moment at the beginning seems very simple. Uh, I'm here in this room, there's nothing interesting. But if you look deeper, it's very interesting. You have prepared many months to be able to come to this retreat. And in this retreat is gathered 1,100 persons who try to go in the direction of peace, of understanding, of love, like you. It's not happened every day. And so looking deeply in the present moment is you touch deeper and it's you can see the wonderful part of that present moment. So in Plum Village, when you hear the bell, we stop 
speaking, you stop acting, you go back to the present moment. You breathe in, you calm yourself. You breathe out, you relax, and you go back to the present moment. And you look deeper, and you look especially the positive side. For instance, you just lose your job. When you go back to the present moment, you breathe in and breathe out, and you remember that I just lost my job. But the advice is try to touch the positive side of of the present moment first. Oh, I just lose my job, but I'm still healthy. I still own the qualification to be to continue that same work, but in many in other. Other enterprise, and I am. I have no cancer. I have no uh, disease, incurable disease. And even if you have incurable disease, you say that. But I'm still alive. And you see the positive side, and it gives you more balance. It doesn't mean that you hide and you ignore your negative side. When you have more balance, you touch what is wonderful. Ah, I'm still alive. Oh, I have disease, but I have—I am in a good country where I have all the way, all the means to heal myself by this way or by other way. So I'm still, and I have a number of means to be able to to heal myself. Why millions of people in the poor country have no chance, even they have the same disease than me? They will condemn to death. And so, seeing in that way, you continue to be happy. And the practice is to be happy, even you have thirty percent of bad things, but you still have seventy percent of good thing. You are happy. And then, when you are happy, you look back at the negative thing, and you are trying to undo the difficulty one by one with beauty, with dignity. We will not lose our dignity. Why? We try to undo our difficulty, and the practice is going back to the present moment all the time. And in Plum Village, we have sound of the bell. But here, I'm sure that a number of you have cell phone. So when you are walking, but cell phone ringing, just a little sound, you go back to the present moment, breathing in. I calm myself. Breathing out, I relax three times, and then you go back to the present moment and you look deep into the positive thing. Why you take out your cell phone? Maybe they stop, and if if they stop calling, it's okay. If they are very urgent thing, they call again, and you have a chance. So you use your cell phone as a bell of mindfulness. And and I use my my bell of mindfulness in everything. When I'm walking, but if there is a big truck pass by, I'm like, oh! I go back and I calm myself and I breathe and I smile. And one day we came to a retreat in a very remote, beautiful area of our Ohio Foundation. But it's happened that there are a fire, and the helicopter run every 
five minutes or three minutes in order to bring water to put off the fire. And everybody was irritated. How come we come to this retreat and we hear all this noise? And I remind them, why don't you use the sound of the helicopter as a mindfulness bell? And when you hear the helicopter, you can behave, you behave like you listen to the bell. Listen, listen. These wonderful sounds brings me back to my true home, to my ultimate dimension. So you stop speaking, you stop acting, stop walking. If you are walking, if you are working, you stop working, and you go back to the present moment. And you look deeper, and and when you go back, listen. This wonderful brings me back to my true home, to my ultimate dimension. So you go back to the present moment and start not to think first. At least a few in breath and out breath. In you cannot stop thinking easily. So you pay attention to the air which is entering into your lung. The air which is going out of your lung, and so you dissociate yourself with the irritation of the helicopter, or of somebody snoring in your room. If you share the dormitory with somebody who snores a lot, and you feel very irritated that uh, she's not too loud or he's not too loud, I cannot sleep. So listen, listen, this wonderful snoring. Help me to stop thinking. Go back to my in breath, out breath, in breath, and you pay attention. And she snore again, and in breath, out breath, and you see it's work. A number of practitioners report to us it's work wonderfully when they feel irritated to share the room with somebody who snore. So that. Any any irritable, uh, any un um, not not unfriendly noise, you can transform into your in breath and out breath and calming and releasing tension and forget everything. Pay attention to the air which is entering and the air which is going out. Please try. You see, if the whole week. When you are irritated, somebody make you not kind at all, and you are about to judge, and you say that, "Oh, I am training to touch my ultimate dimension." So you go back to your in breath and out breath, not judging, not not uh, complaining, calming, releasing tension, calming, releasing tension. That is very wonderful, and after that, you look deeper. And you try to understand. He doesn't want to snore to disturb you, but it's happened. And so, or somebody who is very unkind, and he, he or she doesn't know that she's unkind. And what I can do to help her? And you look deeper, and you say that I have to behave in a beautiful way. I'm going here. In order to train myself to touch my ultimate dimension, to touch God in me, to touch the Buddha in me, why well, I'm carried away by that irritation, 
And so that is the, the first point that we try to train for this week. And then people used to think that, oh, I cannot be trained myself like the Buddha. The Buddha sit cross-legged, and I cannot sit cross-legged. So the Buddha didn't... If you visit India, you will understand. Everyone in India sit. They don't even need a cushion. They sit down on the earth, and they can sit four, five, six, seven hours easily because they are trained in their young age. But it doesn't mean that in order to, to, to touch your ultimate dimension, your peace, your understanding, you need to train yourself to sit cross-legged. You sit in, of course, the, the sitting position we call lotus position is more stable. And there are those in the West. I think that in the time of the Buddha, he do not have cushion in that side or other side. But we, if you sit, there is three pillars for the position to be stable. One knees, two knees, and the pillar. And it depends on each person. Or the pillar can be higher or lower or not at all. And if you are not used to cross the leg like that, you sit like a Thai Phap Thi. Thai Phap Thi sit with a bench behind in Japanese way. And if you don't have benches, you can use a cushion because the cushion can be between... And then you sit like that. So we call it Japanese way. <laughs> Japanese way, they used to... All the Japanese people, they don't need to be Buddhist. They used to sit in that way. So it's Japanese way. And you also sit in the chrysanthemum, chrysanthemum position. And that is a word invented by Thai. It means the position you like the most. This one is chrysanthemum. This one is chrysanthemum. This one is chrysanthemum. Many various kinds of chrysanthemum position. Provide that your sitting should be very stable. Because uh, if you sit in the position not very stable, and you have to change on the time. But it's okay if tomorrow during sitting meditation you feel hurt. In that position you just gently be aware that you are changing the position of your body. It's okay. But if you sit on the chair, it's also sit in a very stable way. If you have a very good um, big chair and you sit too comfortably, it's not sitting meditation, you will sleep. So you sit on a chair, but uh, your back keeps straight. Straight but not rigid. Your head try to be in the direction of the, like touching the ceiling. And then your, your back in straight. And, uh, but sometimes people say that, how come that practicing Buddhism for a while or sitting meditation for a while, I have pain here, I have pain here. That's because you, you force yourself too much. You try too much. Don't try it. If it's, to hurt, uh, it's uh, hurting, then you just change. Change gently the position to be gentle ourselves. 
it's a, it's a practice. Don't, don't finish your body to be rigid like that. You sit in the most comfortable position, stable, keep you awake. So even on the chair, you sit your two feet, the sole of your feet flat, touch the sole, the ground properly. And your two hands on, on, your, on your knee. And you follow your breath. Pay attention to the air which is entered. Pay attention to the air which is going out. In. There is a book of Thai called The Blooming of the Lotus, where Thai proposed to you from very simple exercise how to guide your mind. First, you pay attention to your in-breath and out-breath, and in-breath and out-breath. But the Buddha proposed 16 exercises from the beginner, agitated, angry person, you become a calmer, deeper, and to the 16 exercise, you will be liberated. But, uh, but I try to invent many other means to help us. If you cannot work with the, that, uh, that 16 exercise of the Buddha, he proposed all the, all the short words like in. Out is one exercise. Deep, slow. It means uh, you, at the beginning, when you breathe in and breathe out, you do it in a very um, not regular, not subtle way. So when you follow your in breath and out breath for a while, your, your, the volume of your lung is the same. But the way you make the air go in and go out in a very smooth way and very subtle way, like uh, instead of pouring a lot of water like that, you handle well the water so the water go out in the small um, yeah, current, in very slow. And so by doing so, your in-breath and out-breath will become slower and deeper. And when you are angry, your voice is trembling and and it's not very not very calm, not very clear, not very um, kind. And so you follow up your in breath and out breath at the beginning. Your in breath are very strong, and out breath is. <gasps> but you follow up your in breath and out breath properly about ten in breath and out breath, and you will see that deeper and slower. And so your mind, your emotion become calmer and, and more refined. And so deep, slow, calm, first it's in, out, 
deep slow, calm ease, smile release, present moment, wonderful moment. That is one one poem of the forty six exercise in the book Blooming of Lotus. But for this week, you only need a few. So that one is one. Maybe tomorrow I will share to you some others. But uh, that is for the in-breath and out-breath. And I think that we learn to sing that song a little bit. In, out, deep, slow, calm, ease, smile, release, present. Moment, wonderful moment. Do it again. In our deep slow, calm ease, smile. that we only need to live deeply our life and we can overcome so many difficulties. And he knows that the breath is so important. But I'm sure that when the Buddha was alive, he practiced, he, he always, we, he had to go walk from the forest to the village in order to, to request some food and seizing that occasion in order to share his practice to people. So while walking from the forest to the village, he do not let his mind wandering like that. And so he tried to live deeply the present moment, and it start by breathe in, he make one step, breathe out, he make one step. And his mind go with the in-breath, and the step. So his mind focuses in two things. While doing sitting meditation, you focus only in one thing, your in-breath and your out-breath. But when you start to walk, you train yourself to walk mindfully. It means bring your mind always in the present moment. Breathing in, one step. Breathing out, one step, in, out. That is, in Vietnamese, we call kin han. In Japanese, they call, or Chinese, they call kin hin. It means we, we use our step like a thread to weave ourselves into oneness. And so, but you cannot walk like that all day long, because you need to go to your office. You, go, you need to go to your car in order to drive to the office. So from your house, you decide to train to be a Buddha. So you said that, 
now I start to be Buddha. So you walk in, 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 in. Uh, you walk normally, but your mind always dwell in the present moment. In, 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 out, out, out. Calm, calm, calm. Ease, ease, ease. Smile, smile, smile. Release, release, release. And when you have to cross the road, is the car is very, very. They they run fast, and you cannot walk in in like that. So you walk very fast, but your mind always in the present moment. So you can walk five steps, in 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 out out out, but you walk mindfully. Your mind. Train to be in the present moment, and so it's always we start by training in breath one step, our breath one step in the meditation hall, and after the meditation hall, you have to walk to the dining room, and if you make one in breath, one out breath, is taking you maybe one hour and a half to arrive. <laughs> so you walk normally. But in breath. So during this retreat, you have plenty of time to practice meditation. But you don't need to sit cross leg. But you walk from here to the meditation hall. Uh, here is meditation to the dining room, to here to your room, and keep your mind in the present moment all day, all the way long. And so it means uh, you practice meditation all day. You do not practice meditation only in the meditation room, and so right after this sharing, you go back to your 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 bedroom. You walk mindfully, keep your mind in the present moment, and the, at the me- beginning, present moment, like I told you, it seems superficial, but when your mind keep dwell in the present moment. The concentration becomes deeper, 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 and then one moment you will touch the ultimate dimension. That has happened in many monasteries in China, in Vietnam, in Korea. They said that when you you go to the monastery, you are requested by your teacher to chop the wood, to carry water. To cook rice, but your mind must be always in the present moment. And one day, one student of Zen chopped the wood; he was enlightened. Or one of his colleague broke a teapot, and another student get enlightenment. So I remember there is one Zen, one uh, Chinese master. He said that I become a monk. Because my grandpa said that you have to go to the monastery and you will be enlightened easily. If teapot broke, you will be enlightened. <laughs> so the teapot broke when you train yourself three months, six months, one year, and one day you get enlightenment. So if you have any big question in your life and you want to see the ultimate dimension of that fear. The that ultimate dimension of that anger, the ultimate dimension of that restlessness in you, you dwell in the present moment. And one day, maybe the teapot do not break, but 
somebody big noise something happen and then you get enlightened and the lighten up the deep question of your life and that straining is very easy you only need to remember but you don't remember easily so your clock your your cell phone will ring and then you go back to the present moment touch the present moment and during that week it's not only you practice walking but you also eating also in the present moment so during the present in the eating you will be in the present moment all the time your mind start to judge oh it's not very good food etc you say that's okay i go deep in the present moment and i see a number of collective consciousness of the this society you see many things you will discover and you will be the buddha in yourself you will have god inhabit you and you see things deeper and you know how to resolve with dignity with beauty with greatness and i'm sure that you will we all 1100 people will be enlightened if we train in that way some will be enlightened earlier than others but we will all go in that direction and eating we don't speak because we try to look deeper and we reduce our talking during that retreat in order to have the time to dwell deeply in the present moment and deep eating walking um maybe my brother will remind you other thing i may forget but i will share the last thing i remember that um one day in the in the road of uh, in many road of florence firenze in italy they gave a, will give a talk this evening so that afternoon we are all free for visiting the city of florence and we are walking enjoying the present moment and then there is the bell of the church in florence there's many beautiful church so i stop in breath our breath calming releasing deeply in the present moment and i enjoy this the bell of the the church is very long not only one sound so i enjoy almost three minutes to breathe and then i start to walk again and i walk about five minutes and then another bell ring and i stop calming smiling deep dwelling deeply in the present moment and the present moment that i sister jung kong walk in the street of florence but slowly there is five or six church ringing bell one after another one suddenly not suddenly but slowly i enter into very deep concentration and There is no limit between me and things around me. I feel like I am like the pigeon who fly. There's a lot of pigeon fly on the sky. I am one with the merchant who sell postcard and her joy, her fear. I am one with the children who run on the street. And I, I feel bliss. I am so happy. And then I enter into the most beautiful church. And it's the first time I feel so familiar, like, like my home. 
I'm born Buddhist. I feel familiar with all the Buddhist statue, and I visit the Christian um, Catholic Church. I see many beauty, but it's still a stranger for me. But that that moment, I feel that all the apostle like. Like my uncle or my my father, they are so close to me, and I saw Jesus Christ on the cross. Like I pretend to be crucified, I'm do not crucified. I'm not crucified at all, because in my judgment in the past, I said, "Oh, the the Christ." When we visit the Christian church, we see the Christ always on the cross. It looks so sad. I would prefer that Jesus Christ sit quietly and peacefully. <laughs> It's my judgment, but at that moment, Jesus Christ on the cross said, "Don't be bothered by by that appearance." I pretend to be crucified to remind them. I am smiling, and I feel so close. I feel I'm one with everyone. And at the stained glass, there is an angel. But a little, but I remember the, during the war in Vietnam. I have, it's happened that I, I tried to cross the war zone and help a number of wounded person, and I, when I finished on the bandage, suddenly one mother come to me, show the baby full of blood and say that please save my baby, and I know that I cannot save, but I hold the baby, and I saw the baby full of blood, and I tried to go to the boat nearby where we 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 went by boat. To cross the fire zone, so when I approach the boat, but the baby make a, like a, something, and then the baby have some agitation, and the baby pass away, and I feel so desperate together with the mother. But at that moment in Florence, at that Christian church, I saw the angel, and it looked like that baby who smiled to me. And said that I pretend to die. I'm reborn again. Don't be worries. And so I feel so happy, and I have the impression at that moment I touched the ultimate dimension for a few seconds. And during that evening, I feel so happy and so oneness with everything. But then the day after, there is many responsibility, and I forget. <laughs> So I'm sure that many of you have touched that ultimate dimension from time to time, if the occasion present to you. And so, keeping our mind in the present moment peacefully, deeply, so we live in that life we call historical dimension. But we, from time to time, we touch the ultimate dimension, and you see things in a very clearer way, more compassionate way, more tolerant way. And there's nothing to be fearful. So, dear friends, let's uh, sit beautifully and stably, like our sister encouraged us to do. Uh, you don't have to sit stiff and uncomfortable. Uh, just create a container for uh, out of our upper body for the breath. The hips tilted forward a little bit. The shoulders sort of uh, rolled back just comfortably. 
And we'll listen to the sound of the bell, every last breath of the bell, okay? Thank you, dear elder sister, for uh, uh, orienting us to many of the aspects of uh, the practice here. might mention that in reference to walking meditation, sometimes we have a tendency to walk uh, slower than the rest of the group, and uh, sometimes we also have a tendency to, to want the group to walk a little faster. And uh, a good, uh, there's a few words to a song that we sing. Uh, I won't sing the song, but the line goes, nowhere to go and nothing to do. So during our walking meditation tomorrow morning, I might keep that in mind uh, if you feel that your footsteps want to go a little faster. Uh, and tr- please try to, um, you don't have to trip over the person in front of you to keep up, but please try to uh, keep the, the group, uh, keep with the group so that we're not walking too slowly. Uh, during indoor walking meditation, a lot of times we'll have one breath for the, uh, uh, in, uh, the step, uh, one in-breath for one step, and one out-breath for another step. But outdoor walking, we usually walk a little bit more quickly. And so we can have like uh, two steps for the in-breath, two steps for the out-breath. And please also notice that when we do walking, we try not to talk. Uh, If we want to do talking, uh, we find another time to do our talking meditation, as it were. Um, The... um, the thing I also want to mention about telephones, um, uh, cell phones especially, please uh, kindly remember to turn them off when you enter this hall, and also the dining hall, and also during walking meditation, uh, at least with uh, the group walking meditation. We've been experimenting um, at our center in California with a... Uh, uh, electronic liberation retreats <laughs> where we uh, actually check our cell phones in, our iPods, our laptops, and so we become unencumbered by all these uh, accessories to our life. And uh, we've just started doing this recently, and uh, we're having uh, quite a few people that are responding. Uh, very favorably to that, because sometimes we we have a tendency when we go to a retreat to spend maybe some of the time when we're at the retreat on the cell phone doing cell phone meditation, and uh, the rest of the time maybe we're doing the other sorts of meditation that we're doing at the retreat. So please keep that in mind. 
tomorrow uh, we'll have an opportunity, as we will every day of this retreat, to have eating meditation. And uh, there'll probably be some logistical announcements uh, here in a few minutes. We're going to not keep you too much longer tonight because we realize that it might be, uh, it's almost past my bedtime, so I know it might be past yours pretty soon, especially for those of you that have come quite a distance. But we'll have an opportunity to eat three meals in mindfulness tomorrow and uh, please uh, serve your food in silence and also take your place in the dining hall in silence and you'll probably be invited by the announcers a little bit to uh, go towards the uh, the back of the dining hall so that people don't have to step uh, walk around uh, your table with all the chairs fold out to uh, get to the other empty tables in the back of the dining hall. And a lot of times, well, as we sit down, we will, uh, or before we sit down, we'll wait for people to come to our table so that all of us. Uh, at the, are at a table before we sit down together. And that makes it uh, rather an enjoyable way because we can sort of eat our meal together, sort of family-style dining. You may have noticed this evening that uh, the meals are served uh, cafeteria-style. And uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but... Sometimes when we serve ourselves cafeteria style, we tend to take one plate and heap it up with a lot of food, and then, well, might as well take another plate. And So please be aware of that and be aware of uh, part of the third meal contemplation is, may I learn to eat in moderation. Uh, there's usually be plenty of seconds in the dining, uh, in the... Um, serving area, so if you still need more food, please feel free to, after you've finished uh, your uh, the food on your plate, to go back and, and to get some more food. Um, we try to eat in such a way that we can really be in touch with the food and not to get carried away by our thinking. As our sister was saying, we um, try to notice something like the, just one thing about the food, like the, the texture of the food, the taste of the food, the, the appearance of the food. When We also try to chew the food so that the enzymes in our mouth that are very necessary and helpful for digestion can start to activate the, the digestive process before we actually fall, uh, swallow the food. So oftentimes we'll swallow, we'll chew the food 30 to 50 times, uh, depending on uh, the nature of it. And uh, to really... Uh, realize that we don't have to rush in eating. Many people, when they leave this retreat, and it's something that we would really like to encourage you to do, especially if you're a new practitioner, is to find a new... uh, or uh, If you're a new practitioner, find one aspect of the practice 
that is really easy for you to do and that you feel that really nourishes you. And if you're a more seasoned practitioner, find a new area of the practice that you maybe you haven't quite explored that uh, one before so that you can add that to your tools of uh, the practice so that when you go back to your life out in the world, you can continue to build and to cultivate and to grow your practice, so to speak. So many people find that instead of uh, eating a meal, uh, listening to the television, or listening to the radio, uh, reading a newspaper, like they, they take the opportunity to actually eat their food and to be in contact with their food. And many people feel very nourished when they do this because it's, uh, I know when I uh, lived out in the world, sometimes I'd be driving down um, the road during my lunch hour because I had a small landscaping business and I needed to get some materials for my crew before their lunch hour ended because I was running out of materials or something like that and I'd be bolting my lunch as I uh, drove uh, to uh, the nursery. So please uh, keep in mind uh, that uh, this practice is a very, uh, I call it an engaged practice. So we cultivate a quality of mind during our uh, more meditative parts of the practice, as in walking meditation, as in sitting meditation. And with our walking meditation, we connect those up to the other areas of our life that maybe we haven't practiced in those areas of our life before. Sometimes people tend to uh, compartmentalize their life. It's sort of like going to church on Sunday and then on Monday they sort of forgot what the pastor said on Sunday. Like, uh, And so this practice emphasizes very much retaining what we learn in this retreat together over the next few days and bringing these tools in very, very, they're very concrete tools and bringing them with us so when we go back to our life out in the world, we will have these tools as a resource. Like our sister was talking about following the breath. Uh, following the breath is our anchor. When we have something happening that's uh, uh, disturbing us or sort of unsettling, we have that breath for an anchor. We can know where the breath is in our body and we can give uh, permission to ourselves to just sort of slowly uh, to to watch the breath where it is, and as we do that, a lot of times we'll notice that the breath will actually calm and it'll relax and, and settle into our body. Uh, I think uh, it's about nine o'clock now, and I think we're going to actually uh, invite. I don't know who's making the announcement, uh, and. Our sister wants to add one more thing, so thank you very much. Yeah. I would like to invite you because you you stay in house where there is many steps, uh, like staircase or step to to just three steps to enter into your house, the house where you are you are located. And Thai is also the teaching of Thai saying that you when you, your your feet touch the staircase. 
you go back to the present moment. You in breath and out breath. You look deep into the present moment with the positive side, and you walk 20 step or 15 step or three step or four step. And he proposed that in the case you walk about, you climb the stair about 20 step, but you climb about seven step, and you remember that. Your mind is in forgetfulness. You think of many things. He proposed that you go down. <laughs> and you walk again. It looks like funny, but you see, if you do it twice, and then you will not forget. <laughs> because you have to go down, and then you go up again. And then next time, you will not forget. And then for a while, you forget. And then you go down again. And you train like that, so you always have the bell of mindfulness next to you. At any house, there is always a few stairs. And go back to that, uh, your present moment, look deep in the present moment, look what is wonderful, what is positive in you, and with more compassion, more understanding, and you will see. So the staircase is your bell of mindfulness when you go home. Thank you. Uh, it gave me the opportunity to uh, realize I didn't mention about noble silence. I just want to mention it briefly. We'll be practicing noble silence from uh, the end of this evening's activity, basically. And I believe noble silence will extend through breakfast in the morning. Uh, I might... Through lunch, excuse me. Uh, and... A good practice during noble silence is to actually have a little notebook. Uh, about this size notebook is just fine. So that when we find that we want to say something, uh, we can uh, make, make a note of what's going on in our mind when we, want, we find ourselves wanting to say something. Because a lot of times we'll find that we're, when we want to say that, we're reacting to something. And by practicing noble silence in this way during this week, like, and making a notation of when we feel like, oh, geez, I need to say something right now, like, um, to, we can find uh, the patterns in, in the ways in which our mind reacts to different situations. And we can learn with this tool of noble silence a little bit about the way our mind works. Uh, so at this time, we'll, I think we'll listen to the bell and then we'll uh, have some announcements. Thank you very much.